Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. Well, guys, we are in this series looking at the 10 keys to the abundant life. Who doesn't want to live the abundant life? Yeah, right. Like everybody wants to live the abundant life. Who doesn't want to be happy and easy on themselves and useful to their neighbor, right? Who doesn't want to live a life where you enjoy God and other people and even yourself, which can be one of the hardest things? And what we learned, what we discovered the past couple weeks is as we started this series is that we live the abundant life by staying connected to the source that is Jesus. We believe that in him, in Christ, this is what he proclaimed about himself, by the way, is that he's the source of joy, of rest, of intimacy, of love and satisfaction. He said, if you come to me, you're going you're gonna to feel and experience these things that you're longing for. I am the source. And so we must stay connected to the source, and that's the challenge that all of us have is how do we have on-ramps in our life where we stay connected to Jesus, where we don't just come on Sunday mornings and we get to experience God and we're like, wow, and then Monday comes around and it's hot and gas is high and we find ourselves no longer connected to the source. Our source of rest, joy, love, intimacy, and satisfaction is gone, it feels like. So we have to have a way to have that in our life, in our weekly and daily rhythm we got to stay connected to the root to have fruit. And so we call this way to abide, this way to stay connected to Jesus, we call this, this key to the abundant life, we call them spiritual disciplines. They're on-ramps and rhythms in our day and our week that keep us connected to the one who gives us the rest, joy, satisfaction, intimacy that all of us are longing for. And so they've been practiced for centuries I mean, since Christ came, died, and rose again, the early church uh, for hundreds of years have developed and have lived by these spiritual disciplines, by these keys to the abundant life, and they've made them a part of their life. And last week, we looked at the first key. We looked at this key uh, of, of the spiritual discipline known as, known as prayer, and we learned first that prayer, prayer is simply this, it's a constant awareness, it's a mindset where we're always thinking about the nearness of God and our need for him. We've learned that prayer is an awareness. It's not just a talk. It's not just a conversation. You don't have to say anything to still pray. You can pray a silent prayer because prayer is a mindset. It's an attitude. And so we also looked at the five occasions for prayer. We looked at petition, intercession, lament, confession, and praise. And then I challenged all of us to pray more often and consistently by Maybe setting an alarm in your phone or praying together as a couple. Come on, who's been praying more this week? Anybody? Hey, that's great. That's awesome. Well, tonight we're going to look, as you can tell at your handout, we're going to look at another key to the abundant life that Jesus invites us to practice as his followers. And this is a fundamental spiritual discipline, and it's known as fasting. Everybody say fasting. Now, listen, for some of you that you know what fasting is, the way you said fasting lets me know that you know it. Because some of you are like, fasting. You know, it's like, okay, we get it, fasting. But really, my hope for tonight is that you would see fasting differently and that you would engage this practice in your life more so than just it's the new year and the church calls for a fast. 
more than that, more than that. That this strange, self-denying discipline that has the power to release favor and blessing and anointing in your life would, would stir something in you where you would say, I would like to practice fasting more often than just January. That it would become a weekly and dare I say even daily rhythm throughout the year for you who are following Jesus. So the first question we have to ask is this, what, what is fasting? What is it? Fasting is simply this, your first blank. Fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Hey, let's, uh, I forgot to do this. Can we, can we pray? Is that all right? I need to pray more than you. Can I pray? <laughs> Y'all can just sit there. Let me pray. No, let's pray together. Come on, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, we thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for everyone who, who came here tonight. God, looking for more. Jesus, we came here under the auspice of thinking that, that, Jesus, you are the source of everything we're looking for, that you are the risen Lord, you are the risen Jesus, and you are in this place right now. You're not just some dead religious figure, God, that we just remember, you're alive, and you are here. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would come and that you would teach us your ways. And God, we just, we give you permission right now. God, would you have your way in our personal life? Would you get in our junk and our face? Because, God, we're here not just to, to, to learn something new in our heads. We're, we're here, God, because we need you to do something in our hearts. God, we ask you, God, would you have your way in us? Teach us, teacher. We need you tonight. God, I need you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, fasting is strange. Refraining from food for a spiritual purpose, it's strange to the Western mind. Denying yourself something in our, in our culture is very weird. It's like telling someone to wait to have sex until you're married. Deny yourself, right? Give up instant gratification for what? A long-term gain. Does it make sense? It runs very, very countercultural. If you go to work, tomorrow and you're like, hey, I'm fasting. What's that? You're like, I'm refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. People will look at you crazy. Just like you would say, I, 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 I'm saving myself for marriage. What are you doing? It doesn't make sense because in our culture, what's the message of our culture? Me, 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 get what you can, when you can, all you can. Yeah? It's what First John said. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It what look good, what feels good, and what makes you feel powerful. Don't ever deny yourself. Treat yourself. So think about fasting as the opposite of treating yourself in this, in this temporary gain. So fasting is really strange, even more so, I believe, in the South, where we have fried Oreos and Andy's frozen custard and a plate of black-eyed peas gravy with, with pork chops. Come on. Especially when you go south of I-10, everything's fried, and it's delicious. You got crackling. Anybody had crackling? Come on, boudin. Come on, sebon. Come on. <laughs> Good food. And so especially, I mean, especially in our culture, we pride ourselves on food and the food that we cooked. 
right? I grew up in a culture where it's like, hey, you came over, you're going to taste this crab sauce, be gone. Hey, yeah, man, take another one. You eat another plate. It's like, ah. Everybody know about that second plate life? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, welcome to Louisiana. And so even more so when we talk about this idea of fasting, it can really jolt not just, your, not just the people around you, but it can jolt some, some old beliefs and how you were raised and the culture that we're in. Because the idea of refraining and denying yourself when it's clearly available for you is very strange if we don't understand the spiritual purpose. And that's why we're here. That's what I want you to see. I want you to see why you would fast in your life. Because if, it's, if you're not convinced of it, you won't practice it. If you don't see the why behind fasting, it'll, it'll be just another one of those things that you set aside in your life that have no merit. But man, you're here tonight. I'm up here talking about fasting, not because I have to, because we believe that it's so vital to your life. More so than just a January fast that the church calls for, which is powerful in itself. But something that you can institute that'll reframe how you, how you go to work, your marriage, how you have breakthrough to overcome personal struggles, you're going to see all of that tonight. Here's what I do and know about fasting. Like any other key to the abundant life, here's what I know about it. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. Everybody say mystery. And see, that's the part in our Western rational mindset that maybe confronts us. Because I want you to understand, the currency of the kingdom of heaven is faith. That means this, you're going to step out into the water. You don't know if you're going to walk on it or not. But you believe that if the one who called you is calling you, you will. It's faith. And that's that mystery. So when you, it's something about refraining from food. We believe, faith, that there's something that's taking place on the inside of us. It's the same thing when we go to pray. It's the same thing when we go to meditate, when we go into solitude. I mean, for any of the other spiritual disciplines that we'll talk about for the next several weeks, there's that element of mystery. And that's what we lean into every time we create an on-ramp in our life. It's spiritual. And the good thing about that mystery is it leaves room for God to be God and to do what he wants to do. And how many of us know that when God is for us, who can be against us? And when God's in the room, a a staff that means nothing turns into a snake and can divide seas. God can take what is natural and cause it when he shows up to be supernatural. There is a supernatural edge to the mystery of fasting. And I hope you see that tonight. So that's fasting. We're going to refrain from food for a spiritual purpose. But why do we fast? Well, the first reason is this. Jesus expects us to fast. Why would we fast? Well, Jesus expects us to fast. Matthew 6 says this. When you fast, everybody underline when. That's important. When. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, out of line, when, when you fast, what should you do? Put oil on your head. Wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who's unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret, the secret place. 
will reward you, will reward you. Jesus expects us to fast. See, it's not, it's when, it's not if. It's when, it's not if. Jesus expects us as his followers to fast. Really, Matthew 6, Matthew 6 is, chapter 6 is one of those things, if you want to write in your notes, it's one of those chapters in the Bible that I believe every Christ follower who's serious about following Jesus should commit to memory, should know in broad strokes what's it about, what what is Matthew 6 about? Because in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about the three Christian duties, the things that will lead to reward and blessing and life. He talks about the three things, giving, praying, and fasting. And I want you to understand, alongside giving, right, we talk about giving at church a lot. We even talk about prayer a lot at church, right? We even, who knew, pray at church. Last week, that's what we talked about. But the one thing that we don't talk about often is fasting. But it's right up there with a Christian duty. And so think about it. Some of us have not been, I mean, for those in the military, you know what I'm talking about. Some of us have not been filling our duty. We're not doing the full job of what it means to be a Christ follower. And it's not just praying. And it's not just giving. It's this idea of refraining and self-denial. Ooh, that sounds really attractive, I know. But it's a duty of ours. Jesus expects us. He says, it's not, hey, if you fast, if you decide to, if you feel good, if you, I don't know, if you're really feeling spiritual today, you, if you fast, hey, this is how you do it. No, he says, when you do this, when you go to refrain from food and deny yourself for my glory, for me, when you go to do that, this is how I want you to do it. Now, I want you to say, when Jesus is talking, this was very common during Jesus' time. Pharisees, the very ones that opposed Jesus, most of his ministry for the three and a half years, they fasted twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. Twice a week, they would wake up and they would say, oh, not eating today for him. These men knew the Bible backwards and forwards. They memorized the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, to memory in Hebrew. These men were devout. And so when Jesus is looking at his followers on the Sermon on the Mount, and he's saying, hey, when you pray, do this, and when you give, do this. And when you fast, do this. Which brings up another point. We fast for God and not others. We fast for God and not others. Now, this is an obvious one, right? None of us, you know, are in the room is so religious that we would disfigure our phrase and say, oh, I'm fasting. Everybody look at me how spiritual I am. Alex is so spiritual. He doesn't eat food. Sounds like a diet program, you know? And so we don't refrain from food to show others how spiritual we are, and Jesus calls it out. On Mondays and Thursdays, these people were so devout, but what were they doing? Oh, look at us. We're so spiritual. Hypocrisy, mask wearing. But here's what, what I find also is this. We also don't refrain from food and fake like we like it either. That's not what Jesus is teaching either. He's also not saying put on oil on your head and wash your face and act like you like it. Because that's not true either. We can deceive others in saying that we're super spiritual by bragging how we refrain from food. But we can also deceive others in saying that we, we fast on food and we like it. Ain't nobody like not eating food. Ain't nobody like that. So what is Jesus saying? What Jesus is saying is this, that there is an actual real fulfillment in fasting. That's your next point, that there is a fulfillment in fasting. 
when Jesus said, put oil on your head and wash your face, that's about preparing yourself to enjoy life. That while fasting, your outlook on life should be to enjoy it. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. That fasting isn't something that we have to put on a show and a dance and pony. It's a work of the heart. But we remind ourselves that there is something more to life. That's really what fasting is about. Fasting awakens you to the fact that there is more to life than what meets the eye. And it's a constant rhythm in our life that awaken us to that. See, there's something, there really is something on the other side of this discipline of fasting when you do it right and for the right reasons. That's what Jesus is saying. There really is something to it. See, when you stop believing that the stuff you think is important, that really isn't important, is not important, then you start enjoying life. And that's what fasting does for us. It helps us deny and put in perspective the things that we think are most important. The substance, the money, the car, the clothes, the business, the marriage, the kids. And what fasting does is it puts it all back into focus of what's really important. Jesus says when you really tap into what fasting is really about, you'll find fulfillment. And you won't have to fake that you like it or fake that you don't like it and show how spiritual you are. You can literally just put oil on your head like it's going to be. You only put oil on your head and wash your face if you're ready for the day. Come on, no, ain't none of you get up. I put pomade in my hair to hold my hair in place, but like, I don't ever get up. You'll never find me on a Saturday morning waking up just putting pomade in my hair just to put it. In the same way, I'm not gonna wake up and put oil on my head, kind of grease that, slick that stuff back, wash my face, and then go sit on the couch. Nah, come on, and, and, you, let's not go there. Y'all be sitting in your moo-moo on the couch on Saturday morning, come on. You don't be primping and propping and, and primping until you get up and say, I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to enjoy the day and I'm going to show what I got. And Jesus is saying that. is that when you really have the heart posture for fasting, this is how you'll do it. You'll just wake up in the morning because you'll be so freed from the things you thought were important that really aren't important. And you'll slick back your hair, put a little pomade in your hair, pop on those favorite jeans of yours, Wear your favorite Led Zeppelin t-shirt, and you'll walk outside. And it's not that I have to fake that I'm fasting or if I like it, but there's something that happened on the inside where I'm free to enjoy life and that there's more to life than what I realized. And that, my friend, I'll go without food to realize that. That's what Jesus is saying. I want to invite you to a life of fulfillment. That's what fasting does. See, the last point that Jesus makes is this. There is a reward for fasting. There is a reward for fasting. Many of us don't realize this, but God is a God who rewards. Look at Matthew 6. When you pray in secret, the Father rewards. When you give in secret, the Father rewards. When you fast, the Father rewards what is done in secret. See, supernatural things are released by God when you fast. Look at this. Jesus himself fasted for 40 days, driven into the wilderness by the Spirit in Matthew 4. Why? He knew that supernatural things are released in fasting. Look at his ministry. No one has done the things that, that, that Jesus has done. Look at Esther. She had all the Jews in Susa, in this city, fast for three days before she illegally met with the king. Why? Why did she call for a fast before she met with the king? 
Because she knew that supernatural things are released in fasting. And you know what she did? She met before the king and saved the Jews. No one has had that much favor with the king like Esther. Look at Daniel. He fasted and refrained from foods. And what did God do? God blessed Daniel and with wisdom beyond anyone else in the empire. Supernatural things are released in fasting. Charles Finney, a revivalist in the 1800s, he fasted regularly every week and would often go three days without eating when he felt his revival meetings were not effectively introducing people to Jesus. Why would Charles Finney need to fast and not eat for three days? Why? Because supernatural things are released in fasting. Are you getting it? John Wesley would only ordain a man into the, into the Methodist movement if they were willing to fast two days a week, just like him. He fasted, he fasted after, the, after he started this, the method that he started in college. After that, he started this thing where he fasted every day. I'm sorry, for two days a week. And he would not go to sleep until he shared the gospel at least once with someone. Why would, Charles, why would John Wesley do that and require his followers to do that? Because supernatural things are released in fasting. There is a reward in fasting. There is. It is both internal and eternal. It is supernatural. That's that mystery that I'm, talk, I'm trying to talk to you about. God blesses. God desires, I believe, to release blessing in our lives. But we are not postured to receive it. And what fasting does is fasting postures us to receive God's blessing and favor. Fasting postures us to be the kind of people who, who where he gives us stuff and we possess things, but our things don't possess us. That's the mystery. That's the beauty. That's the fulfillment of fasting. That in my self-denial, I free myself from the things that want to cling to me. And so God's saying, I can give you more now because of it. Because the things that, that used, to, used to idolize the car and idolize that and idolize that, and think that made you important. But because you had that on-ramp of fasting that gave you perspective, you're postured now to receive from God the blessings that he's, wanted, he's been wanting to give you. Fasting is powerful. It's a mystery, and supernatural things are released when you practice it. I dare you to do that for, for, with the right motivation. I dare you, beloved, to, to really refrain from food for a spiritual purpose with the right motive. I dare you to do it in your life. Don't even, don't even, let, your, don't even let your wife or your husband know that you do it. Just, just wake up and just like make a choice unto him. And watch God reward that and bless that. Are are you guys good? Are you guys following me? You're a little quiet. Okay, all right. Let's go to the next part. Why would we fast? Well, Jesus expects us to fast. But secondly, fasting dethrones the dictator. Fasting dethrones the dictator. Galatians 5.16 says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Those that don't know, the Spirit and the flesh, that is the, the selfish, sinful nature. The thing that wants it, that wants its way. We all have that little thing in us, don't we? It wants its way. And then it blames others when others don't do it. Come on, this is the most evident in our marriages, right? Come on, it's like, like for women, it's like, why doesn't he know that I wanted flowers today? Why didn't he read my mind? It wants its way. <laughs> You're like, yeah, why didn't you? 
But here's what I want you to understand is that the flesh and the spirit, what you want your way and, the, and what God wants are always at odds. And so there's this little voice that's constantly egging us on to feel good and to look good and make you feel powerful. Come on, go for the bigger money. Look at the porn, it feels good. Eat that extra. Don't get a medium, get a large. They did you wrong, flip them off, cuss them out. What is that? That's that thing, that's that ruler. I call it a dictator. Flesh, sinful nature, we have a lot of names for it. I call it the dictator. It's constantly wanting to rule your life and lead you. You have it in you. Every single one of us do. And what it's always pushing us to do is this. Trade temporary satisfaction, instant gratification for something else. Always. This is the dictator's wish. Now, 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 I want it to look good. I want to feel good. And I want to feel powerful. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. 1 John 2.16. And so one of the ways that we feed the dictator is, one of the ways we starve, I'm sorry, the dictator, is really how we, I'm sorry, one of the ways that we feed our dictator, it's really through our eating, through our stomach. It's through our stomach. And so how we dethrone, we dethrone the dictator is in this idea of fasting. Let's look at this, let's look at these few scriptures. Look at Genesis 2. It says that, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, eat from it. Come on, let's underline the words eat. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge. You are free to eat. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And watch this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. Ooh, that looked good. And it was pleasing to the eye. That's going to make me feel good. That's going to make me look good. And it was desirable for gaining wisdom. It's going to make me feel powerful. Sound familiar? It's all of us. It's the dictator's wish. It's the flesh. She took some and ate it. Underline ate it. She ate it. And then she gave some to her husband, Adam, who was with her. And he ate it. Underline ate it. Eat and ate. What I'm trying to point this out is this. Our stomach got us in trouble at the garden. I don't know what it is about the gut. I don't know what it is about what we put in our mouth, in our body, but there's something to it connected to the dictator. And, you know, I've been counseling, and I have pastored young men for over a decade now in ministry. And it's so funny. Ironically, it's, it's always those who struggle with lust, and they typically always struggle with gluttony as well. Overeating and looking at porn always typically go together. Not every single time, but it goes together. Why? It's so connected that when we feel we have freedom to indulge in anything we want, we feel it, it seeps into every part of our system and we feel like we can do anything we want, look at anything we want, listen to anything we want. We think there's no consequences. Instant gratification, but ends up costing us in the long run. And it bleeds into other areas of our life. And so Our stomach got us in trouble in the garden. It can get us in trouble today. Adam and Eve had a temporary satisfaction but suffered the consequences. They forfeited an opportunity for eternal life 
for instant gratification. And how many times have I done that? Yeah? We have to dethrone the dictator. Here's another instance in Genesis 25 with Jacob and Esau. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. Come on, anybody ever, ever, ever been famished before? Yeah, drama, right? Famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, quick. Here's the drama. Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Oh, man, and that's the dictator, isn't it? Gosh, we'll tell ourselves the right story to excuse our behavior. We'll tell ourselves that, oh, we need it. Yeah, for instant gratification. And so Jacob, being the deceiver and manipulator and sharp as whistle as he was, he said, there's my opportunity. And he said, first, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is this birthright to me? Notice that Esau's not even talking to Jacob. He's talking to himself. Esau, in this moment, he's wrestling. This is that fight. He's wrestling with a dictator, and this is his fight. This is the excuse he tells himself. I'm about to die. Is he about to die? You see, someone who fasts regularly for three days knows you don't die. You see what I'm saying? But when a man says, I can get what I want and get it now, and he feeds that in his life, When he doesn't get what he wants in a moment, what does he do? I'm about to die. I need the fix. I need that new piece. I need those shoes. I need, yeah? We're getting getting honest. And for for men, it's sex, right? It's like, I need sex. I need the the feel. I need it. I need, and we tell ourselves that. This is the logic of Esau. But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. It's lentil stew. It's not even that good. It's not like it's gumbo or, you know what I mean, jambalaya or something. It's lentil stew. It's like, are we fasting? I mean, lentil stew. And look at this. Genesis 25, underline this. He ate and drank. He ate and drank. Look at that. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. And so for those that don't know what a birthright is, birthright was really cool, a really cool idea of God, actually. Firstborn had privileges and blessings. They got double portion of their dad's estate while the other siblings uh, got less. And so it was a right of theirs as the firstborn. It was their birthright. And it ensured a setup for life. A setup for life. You got double the portion that all the other siblings got because of simply your birth order. You didn't even have to merit it. It was grace. It was given to you and you didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. And look at this. So much of the birthright represents, ooh, I could preach right now if you want, but so much of the birthright represents the grace that is in our life. How we've been given so much by God, the things that we do not deserve, right? Come on. Mercy and grace. And then what do we do? We trade that grace in, right, which is eternal and long-term, right? Yeah? Birthright is not something he got right now. He gets it when his dad dies. How many years is that? You don't know. It's something distant. And so often we'll do that. We'll take the grace that God gives us, things that we don't deserve, 
And rather than having a long-term plan and having a vision for it as God does, we trade it for a bowl of stew. It's, it's the, right, it's that moment. Come on, guys. It, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get raw with it. I'm trying to make it like where we're at, right? Like, is that okay? It, it's like you have a marriage. You're in a marriage covenant long-term. Out of this germinates a legacy of, of the next generation. Yeah? And, and yet we, we, we trade it. We trade it for just like that moment online. It's like we undermine the beauty and the value of that. And we feed it. We feed it. That dictator saying, give it to me now because it feels good, looks it, and makes me powerful. How do we dethrone this thing? It's happened to our, our parents and parents' parents. Adam and Eve and on. Look at Jacob and Esau, man. Look what Matthew Henry said. Those who were under, Matthew Henry is a a theologian, he's dead now, wrote some good stuff. Those who are under the power of a carnal mind will have their lusts, what they think they need. When you lust, you think you, want want has become need, I would need it. And you you tell yourself, I'm famished, I'm about to die. When they have their lusts fulfilled, though it be to the certain damage and ruin of their precious souls. When we're a slave to that dictator, the dictator is not, man, he's a dictator. You need to personify him as a him. It is a dictator. And it ruins our life if we let it lead us. And it's, uh, it's no bueno. And so fasting is the way that we help dethrone this dictator off of our hearts. It, fasting regularly is a, is a regular reminder that, that that little voice in me that wants its way, that looks good, feels good, and wants to feel powerful, it needs to be quiet. And what I would rather live by is what the Holy Spirit is leading me to do. Yeah? In the image of the Son, in the image of Christ, to look like Jesus. And so let's go to Jesus, the perfect one. The greater Adam. Matthew 4 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Underline hungry. He was hungry. Hey, by the way, a little side note, a little side note. For you Bible readers, for those that read Scripture, what, what you're doing by underlining everything, these are observations in Scripture. So if you're ever reading your Bible and you know that words keep repeating, like what we're doing, repetition, it's... It's an observation in scripture. It lets you know that, hey, the Bible's trying to tell you something. So if you see repetition, circle or underline those words. That's what I'm teaching you to do right now, right? And you'll go back and be like, oh, like the theme here is eating a lot. Whoa, what's this about? And you start asking questions. That's called interpretation. Interpreting scripture is about questions that you ask. What does it mean? Who wrote it? Why did they write it? Where is it at? Little side note. So after fasting four days and four nights, he was hungry. Verse 3 says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Underline bread. And then Jesus. oh, Guys, he's the hero of the story, man. Gosh. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Come on, underline bread alone. But on every word... Underline word that comes from the mouth of God. Underline mouth. 
every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hmm. And so Jesus, led by the Spirit, is fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Now, 40 days and 40 nights, I only know of a couple people just online through the years that I've known who've done that. Like just, anybody, anybody, know, anybody know anybody else that's done that? Yeah, like 40, 40, 40 day fast. I mean, like you see them. I mean, it's incredible. Um, it's incredible. And so while he's doing this 40 day and 40 night fast toward the end, Satan tempts him to use his free choice and power for instant gratification. He thought the same trick that worked on Eve will surely work on Jesus. The same trick that worked on Esau will surely work on Jesus. He will trade like the rest of humanity has. He will follow the dictator in him, and he will not follow and trust God. In his moment of testing, in the moment where he's hungry, I'm about to die. 40 days. You think you think that? And for those who have fasted, you know what I'm talking about. You fast, and it's like after so many days, you're like, man, I'm not feeling so good. Man, maybe I should, you know, come on, God. We start wrestling. We start debating. We start bargaining and making deals with a dictator, but not Jesus. He reminds the tempter. He overcomes the tempter and reminds the tempter that the essence of life is not instant gratification, but it's a life that trusts God. See, that's what, that's what fasting does. Fasting reminds us that the essence of life is trusting God with everything. Not just with, and at first, this is how our, our salvation journey starts. We trust God with our eternity, right? We, go to, we, we get to go to heaven. We give our life to Jesus. We pray the sinner's prayer. You know what I'm talking about? But then what we do is we start this life in this journey of learning how to follow Jesus and trust him, not just with our eternity, but with everything, even the food that we eat and when we get to eat. Whoa. Fasting reminds us of our resources in God. It reminds us not to live by instant gratification, but for something, something more, something more. See, what fasting does is it makes us question what we really think we need. You see, something that we believe we need, that is something that only God can give us, we call that an idol. You see, when we have wants, desires, even good ones, even good desires, but when they turn into needs in and of themselves, they are idols in our hearts. Unmet desires that we believe we need end up being an idol. End up being something that we believe is the thing that's gonna give us life, satisfaction, rest, intimacy, and everything above. See, the heart is an idol factory that's constantly shouting, that's it, that's the answer, that's what's going to give you what you so desire. That's the nature of the heart. That's the voice of the dictator. Another man, another old dead guy who's really smart wrote that it's, that's the sin, that, the law of sin that indwells in the believer. It's the dictator. It's why you think you need that new boat. Gives you a fix. Yeah? It's why it's, 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 it's the bored heart that looks to, ah, come on, I need something. And so you, you, you think you need that extra vacation. You think you need this. You think you need that. And you work real hard to get that thing. And when you get it, it's like, ah, it's not as satisfying as I thought. And then you up the ante. It's the, it's the nature of the heart to say, that's the most precious and valuable thing in the world. 
And why your heart does that is because you were made to worship. You were made to look at God and say, you are the one. You're the one that my heart's been looking for. You're the one that satisfies. You're it. And you know, that's the one thing that the Father cannot cannot create or take or make. It's something you have to give of your heart to him. It's the one gift. It's the one gift we give to give back to God. It's, It's a heart that says, you are it. I've done the cars, I've done the sex, I've done the marriage, I've done the kids, I've done the name, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this. But you are the one. And what fasting does is fasting unhinges the heart from what it's wanting to latch to that we think is important. And it reminds us, whoa, take everything off. Let's get my eyes back on what is the most important thing. Come on. And so instead of Fasting will save your bank account. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Fasting will save you money. <laughs> Dave Ramsey, I'm sure, says that somewhere in his teaching. <laughs> it's like, just fasts. But you know what this honestly does too, let me get into this, is that fasting also will, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but fasting will also help in conflicts. If you keep having conflicts, for instance, if you keep having conflicts in your marriage, conflicts, again, are, are a product of unmet desires that have turned into needs most of the time. Most of the time. Not every single conflict, but most of the time. Why are we, you, ever, you ever fight with your wife or, or husband and be like, why did we fight about that? Like, what are we fighting about? What often happens is that we, we have a good desire, a desire, sometimes a bad desire, but most of the time a good desire, but we feel like we now need that thing to happen or that person to change, or that person to give. And what happens is that when we feel like we need something, we turn into judges, and we put expectations on them that are mostly unrealistic, that they can't even give, that really only God can give, and it really embody. And then when they, obviously they're never going to give it to us, what do we do? We punish them. And we punish them because idols demand sacrifices. The thing you think you need needs to ante up and pay. Idols always demand for you to pay. Which is so ironic because Jesus, Jesus paid it all for you for free with nothing, no guarantee in return. But idols always demand that. If you're constantly having conflict, you don't know why you're fighting, you don't know why you want the things you want, fasting will, will heart check you quick. Start denying yourself. It'll, whew, it'll reframe some things and then you can start working backwards. What do I really want? Now, why do I think I need that? wait a minute, <laughs> I can't change her, only God can, what am I doing? She can't give me what she, what, she can't give me what she can't out of who she is, right? So it's like, it's not her, like, it's only him who can give that. You know what I'm talking about? Conflicts do that. Conflicts are an alarm system in your life that should tell you, I probably need to, I probably need to fast. Because <laughs> I've let wants, even good ones, turn into needs, idols. Are you guys good? You guys okay? Ooh, got a little heavy. Sorry. Hey, so fasting says this. Fasting says this. I have found what is most important, God. I will not live but only what I perceive, right? Bread alone. But I will trust God. I will trust him. It's what Jesus did and it's what we do. When we fast, we're putting our desires in the right place. I don't need that. I need this. I want this, but only he can give it and work it. And so I'm not going to allow my desires to turn into a need. 
right? I'm going to humble myself, depend, and look to God to sustain and satisfy. I'm going to dethrone the dictator. Yeah? I'm not going to let my gut determine my life and throw me off and cost me emotional toil and financial toil. No, 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 no. I'm going to dethrone the dictator. I'm going to fast, which leads me to my last point. Fasting renews spiritually. So why do we fast? Jesus expects us to fast. It dethrones the dictator, this wrestle within. But lastly, fasting renews spiritually. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a, and underline this for me, a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. It's an anomaly, isn't it? Living, the sacrifice is typically dead. How is it alive? Holy and pleasing to God. Side comment, this is your true and proper worship. Put worship, underline worship for me. Fasting renews spiritually. So what I mean by this is this. God is pleased with our heart's devotion to him. Think about this. How can you please someone who already has everything? Listen, my, my, my adopted parents are very well off, owned a business. They raised me. They're very, very well off. They're, they're the most difficult people to buy gifts for. I'm like, you have everything. What do I buy you? You want, like, you want me to draw you a picture? Like, I don't know how to, like, I don't know what to buy you. I don't know what to give you. But the best gifts that my parents ever receive is when we make the two-and-a-half-hour drive to their ranch and sit and drink coffee with them. And think about this. To God, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who can do everything, what can you give to him? And you know what's funny is that what you give to a person that has everything is you give them what they cannot get on their own. And uh, that's, that's you. That's your heart. It's one thing God will not, uh, will, will not take from you, give you free choice. You can offer to choose to give to him you. And it's a gift. Do you know that the scripture calls you, beloved, a gift? Do you know that you're a gift in his eyes? You know, you don't have to follow him, but you do. Out of what he's done for you, that's a gift. God started, oh, don't get me started on that. God started a romance 2,000 years ago, man. We're in a love affair if you didn't know. And we freely choose and say yes. Because you first gave. We say yes. It's a gift. It's pleasing. See, worship is about magnifying God with our lives. It's a living sacrifice. And so fasting is a form of worship. Fasting is a form of living sacrifice. I'm alive, but I deny myself. Yeah? And this is, the Bible says this, that it's proper worship. It's pleasing and holy to God. Fasting breaks out of the world's routine and it honors God by pointing our lives to him in dependence, bringing us back to our first love. It causes our roots to go deeper in Christ because it cost us something. It cost us something. See, many, many of us can pray, many of us can even give, but when you fast, come on, anybody who actually fasts knows what I'm talking about. Ooh, it, it, it hits personal. It hit different. We can move our mouths and pray, and even pray from the heart. We can give of our hands. But man, when you give of your stomach, ah, you touch a dictator territory. 
and it, it, you feel it, but it costs you something. But what it does in that place of fasting is it, it's worship to God. Worship is about magnifying God. It's about making God bigger. It's funny. That's what happens when we fast is all of a sudden what we thought was bigger, what we what would dominated our thoughts throughout the day of, man, where am I going to eat for lunch? I need a break from work. <laughs> all of a sudden it becomes about him. All of a sudden God gets a lot bigger because we bring him in focus. And when God gets bigger, what happens to our problems? They get smaller. That's why fasting is worship to God. Because it says, God, no, you're bigger. When we fast, that's what we're saying to the Lord. As a living sacrifice, you are bigger. You are bigger than that. And I'm telling, my, I'm telling, I'm, I'm even leading myself. Come on, self. Love God. Come on, dictator. Sing his praises. Come on. It's worship to God. It's worship to God. So maybe you've hit a rut with, with, with you and the Lord. Maybe you're like, man, I used to be spiritually whatever 10 years ago, and now I don't know. And you've never fasted. Try fasting. All of a sudden, God gets into, into scope and a lot bigger in your eyes. I'll tell you that. Through the churning of the stomach, the mind and the heart become alive. It's a mystery. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for right standing with God, to be in a right relationship with God, for they will be fulfilled. That's what fasting does. Fasting stirs a hunger that is spiritual, that goes deeper than the temporary hunger of eating and, and we, that we experience in the flesh. See, when we hunger for God, this is the amazing thing, the deeper we hunger, the more we hunger, God feels. And so the more we hunger, the more he feels, and the more we hunger, the more he fills. That's what fasting does. It deepens. And so maybe some of you are like, man, I try reading the Bible. I feel dead. I don't feel anything. Try fasting. Because what fasting does, it deepens a hunger for the things of God. All of a sudden, you're more sensitive. You're more alive to those things. Not always automatically. You understand, fasting is, again, one of those things like prayer. It's like, you always feel everything when you pray, right? And fasting, a lot of times, has these not immediate returns, but long-term returns in your walk with him, where the anointing uh, and I'll explain that in a minute, but the anointing is activated in times of need, but you got it in the fasting. Um, we'll talk about that. John Piper said this, Christian fasting at its root is the hunger of a homesickness for God. I want God. I want him. I'm hungry for, for his presence. I want to experience him. I want to know his heart. I want to hear his voice. I want to know his character. I want to know what he's like. I want to know what moves him, what pleases him. And that hunger to be home with him, it's stirred up in the place of fasting. That's what fasting does. It says, I've had enough of the world. I've ate what, all that I could eat. I've had all that I could have. I want more. I want something supernatural. I want God. I want something transcendent. And so what it says is, get it away. I don't want food. I want nothing else. I want a hunger and thirst for him. And it, it develops hunger on the inside. Fasting says, God, I need you. And I humbly accept the fact that I'm but a jar of clay. I I depend entirely on your mercy and on your power. Come and fill me. Come and satisfy. And what we know about God is the deeper we hunger, what does he do? He responds. And he fills and he satisfies. It's not a a water problem. It's a vessel problem. I want more of God and we're a thimble deep. 
We don't hunger for the things of God. But how we stir that hunger, right, is we fast. And it's like fasting is like creating, stretching the vessel wider. Ah, so God fills more. God's like a, a ready, he's got water. He's like, oh, I just want to pour. Come on, come on. That's all you can take. Ah, who's hungry? Ah. And the fasting heart, the one that fasts, says, me, God, me, come on, fill me. I want to go deeper. I want more. If you're like, man, I want to go deeper with God, try fasting. Try fasting. It renews you spiritually. Matthew 17, 21. It says, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Some translations take this scripture out, actually, or uh, retranslate it. Uh, this is a story. Jesus is at the top of the mount, and uh, and he's being transfigured in front of Peter, uh, James, and John. And he comes down the mountain. His disciples are unable to. Uh, this dad brought their brought his son, and they were unable to pray this demon that was in the sun that was causing seizures and convulsions that would throw him into water and fire. And so the disciples, it's like your teacher coming back, right? And like you've been joking around in class. And it's like, what y'all been doing? And they're caught red-handed. And they're like, Jesus, we couldn't cast them out. And the father's like, they couldn't cast them out. And Jesus, I mean, and you see Jesus' vexation, right, in that moment. It's like, how long do I got to be with you guys? Okay, here we go. <laughs> I just got transfigured. I just saw Moses literally, and you can't cast out a demon. Let's talk. Okay. And, and, and so he asks questions with the, with, with the father and even leads him so mercifully to faith. You know, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. And he prays, and so the disciples, the disciples are like, how did you do it? How did you free him? How did you do it? And one of the translations put, put it, puts it this way. Um, uh, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can pray. Nothing will be impossible for you. You can say to mountains, they'll be moved. And then he says this, but this kind, this kind, this kind of warfare and opposition, it only comes out by prayer and fasting. So what I would submit to you is this, that fasting will break sin off of people's lives. We don't wrestle flesh and blood, the Bible says, but principalities, spiritual stuff. And so what fasting is, fasting is a weapon that helps loosen the spiritual holds on people's lives. Struggle, if you, I'm really serious. If you're struggling with pornography and you've tried everything you can to break free from it, fast. It's actually, again, after pastoring young men for years now it's one of my like prescriptions pastoral prescriptions for them i'm like you need to fast you feed you're feeding your gut too much and you're telling your soul that you can have anything you want and that's a lie starve the dictator right now and notice and what i found over the years is that like they they overcome that in their life they don't even want it anymore because that's the beautiful thing right is because we start magnifying god we start hungering for the things of god we don't even want those things anymore and fasting does that Fasting, because I want you to say, behind homosexuality, pornography, fornication, adultery, lust, it's a, you know, can we go there? Can I say that? It's a spirit. Not only that, there are psychological and physiological things, of course, but for the spiritual side of things, fasting can break the stronghold. Yeah? Not, 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 that, you, not that you bend God's arm when you fast. Or even when you pray, it's not about bending God's arm. God is God. He is Adonai. Who can, who can manipulate him? The man with his eyes of fire who sees through our motive. 
No one can change him. What? But what it does, it postures us. And it frees us. We get smaller so strongholds can't latch onto us. I die so that he may live. Yeah? It's kingdom. It's freedom. It's power. Fasting will do that. And lastly, Acts 13, 1 through 3. It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, um, Lucius, uh, Manan, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, underline fasting, they were worshiping the Lord. And they were fasting. They weren't eating that day. They were just saying, hey, we're just going to worship God. The Holy Spirit said this, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them to do. So after they fasted and prayed, more, they laid hands on them and sent them off. See, some of us are, are wondering uh, about what's the next step in our business. Some of us are wondering, what do, we, what do we do with our car? Some of you are like, how do I, what do I, I need a guide. Where do I go? What do I do? And what many of us don't realize is like we pray and we're like, man, I don't get anything. And what we find is that that's what fasting does is Fasting prepares a way for God to give you a fresh revelation, vision, a purpose for your life. See, I want you to understand something. Every assignment begins and starts from a call of God. It starts from him. Nothing happens without him telling you. Just in the same way that there was no light until he said what? Let there be light. Everything has its genesis in our life personally, in the call of our life, when God said it. That's why you'll talk to Christians, and what do they do? They'll say, I was in my prayer closet, right? I was talking to God, and God said to me this. And they'll find like a week, two months, six months later, it ends up happening. Anyone ever had that happen? Yeah, me too. Why? Because when God said it, it's released. That's how the kingdom of God works. And so when we fast, what we're doing is we're preparing a way, we're posturing ourselves for God to give us that revelation, for God to give us that guide. If I'm praying and things aren't coming automatically, then I need to probably, I need to up the ante and fast. Because what God wants to do is prepare me and fill me and give me that next guide, that next revelation, that next vision for where he's wanting to send us. It's, it's, it's what happened to Saul and Barnabas. They were just praying and fasting. And in the midst of that, God says, oh yeah, I can fill this space. Send them, set them apart. Lay hands on them, send them out. And some of you are like, man, I don't know what to do next. And you're making mistakes one thing after another because the decisions you're making. But if you'll take a moment, and before you make that decision, create some margin and fast and pray. You are posturing yourself to receive guide, revelation. God revealing something to you that you couldn't understand on your own. Where logic and rationale and wise counsel couldn't give you, where only God can give that to you. That's what revelation is. Only God can reveal disclose a secret. This is that uh, the secrets belong to the Lord, but it's the, it's the glory of the king to seek out a matter. That the secrets, the things that you want, you're wanting to know about your life, he has and holds and knows. And he says this, that the secrets of the Lord, the friendship of God belong to those who what? Fear him, it says. And how we fear the Lord, hold him in reverence, recognize that you are God and I am man is in the place of fasting. That's why it prepares us and situates us and postures us to receive a revelation from him, a guide from him, a new anointing from him. Some of you are wanting to bring your business to the next level, your employment, your marriage, your parenting to the next level. 
but you need an anointing to do that. You need God's help to do that. And what fasting does is fasting sets you and prepares you, just like Paul and Barnabas, to go somewhere new, right? Where there has to be a setting apart, and fasting is a part of our part of setting ourselves apart for him and his use. Is that, are you guys with me? Is that good? Awesome. Hey, here's just a, uh, these aren't in the notes, but I, I do want to mention these. Uh, hey, here's just a few things. I, I just want to clarify. Uh, reasons why we don't fast. Reasons not to fast, real quick. We don't fast just to fast. Do not refrain from food for the sake of refraining from food. That's not spiritual. That's, you're just hungry. I think what I mean by that partly is that, you know, be spirit-led in some of that as well. Ask God. You'll know. No one, I, <laughs> no one is ever going to fast without, like, God nudging them a little bit, I find, you know. Most of the fasts I do on the reg are, are things that either I discipline myself to do or God has led me. I'll just know. And I'll say it out loud in prayer, and I'm like, ah, I need to fast. I know I need to fast. Okay, I need to fast. And I'm just going to fast, and I'll ask God, God, how long? What's the, hmm. Here's the next thing. Don't fast to get God's favor. Fasting's not about bending God's arm. Neither is prayer. Fasting's more about posturing you to, to, to receive and do whatever he wants to do and say. That's all it is. It's posturing mainly. Also, do not fast um, to substitute repentance. So you have something in your life and you just want to hold on to it, but you're like, I'm just going to go without food. That doesn't replace it. Like if you have an area of your life that God is saying, hey, mm, not the best thing. It's not life-giving for you or your family and others. Then you need to repent of that thing and not try to replace it with fasting. Also, Jesus already mentioned this, but don't fast to show how spiritual you are. I doubt any of you are going to do that. And then lastly, don't fast to lose weight. That's a diet. That's not fasting. Just wanted to clarify. Hey, guys, here's some, uh, a couple of really practical things, and then we'll close out in prayer. Here's some occasion for fasting. So, like, how do you know when to fast? How do you know when to fast? What, what is all this? Here's, uh, other than the Spirit of God leading you to do it, here are four occasions when you should probably do a fast. Okay, number one, when you're making a request, when you're petitioning God for something, typically scripturally, men and women of God fasted and prayed. They didn't just pray, they fasted too, right? Like you need God to give you something. You need God to do something. You need God to break through in an era. You need God whatever. It's not just, it's not just prayer, it's also fasting. Like if you're about to make a big decision or you're needing God to, uh, to come through in an area, fast, especially as a couple, fast together. That's powerful. Second, when you're grieving or mourning, this is a major one. This is, this is one that we don't talk about a lot. Uh, this is when, when you experience a loss in your life. Uh, who, 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 when they're grieving, wants to eat a big meal? You know? It's just like one person, but most of the time, it's like, I'm not hungry. Come on, anybody ever cried and wept so hard? You don't have to raise your hand in this, but you ever cried and wept so hard that, that you didn't want to eat? That's what I mean by that, is that sometimes in periods of grieving, like in the Old Testament, they would put sackcloth and ash, and they would have a month of, of grieving. A lot of times they would not eat. They would fast. They would abstain to show their grief and to help process their grief, but with God in the mix, lamenting. You guys remember lament from last week? Also, the grieving and mourning goes with sin. If you have sin in your life, 
and the guilt and the shame and the stain of it, and you are mourning your sin. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, right? Part of that mourning is about mourning the weight and realization of the sin in your life, uh, typically fast. So if God will point out a sin in my life, it's like, ooh, I'm gonna fast as a response. Not just be like, Father, forgive me and move on. Like, you wanna take a moment and like, oh, let me sit in the weight of what you're doing right now. Let me abstain from, dethrone the, the dictator. Let me just get everything. Fill me, God, I need you. I want more of you. And then there's like this overcoming uh, mystery. Supernatural powers released, right? Thirdly, when you're seeking direction, and we talked about this, if you're seeking direction, you, you're needed to know what to do next. Fast and pray together. Have someone fast with you. I, I've done that with people. People have texted me, hey, I, I'm making a big move in my life. Would you fast and pray with me? It's like, yes, I will fast lunch. That's it. You know, it's like, no, but really, like, I fast together with people. And if you're seeking direction and prayer, you ain't getting nothing, fast. Lastly, when you're expressing worship. Most often, I have found in my own life with God, and I would love to hear yours after what you've experienced, but this has been most often the place where I've been led to fast is in expressing worship to God. Uh, God needed to get a little more magnified in my eye. I needed, I wanted, I wanted to feel a little deeper with the Lord, so He'll fill me. I want to hunger a little bit more. Yeah, and uh, my response to that is like, I'm going to fast. I'm, I'm going to refrain from what I normally do for a spiritual purpose. That's fasting. And you know, guys, what we, what I shared at the very beginning is very true. Jesus said it: fasting leads to fulfillment. You will be fulfilled. There's a fulfillment in it. It's weird. It's a mystery. Last, guys, last little bit here I want to go through is uh, how do you fast? Hey, here's a little short blurb on how you can fast. Uh, decide why you're fasting. Write it down. It's really important that you decide why you're fasting. Maybe it's pick one of the occasions. Maybe you're like, why am I fasting? I need this request. I'm seeking direction. I just love God. But write it down. Why do you need to write it down? Especially if you're doing fast over three days. It's like, ooh, you need that before you. Why am I doing this? <laughs> when it's 11 o'clock and I'm like, oh, why am I doing this again? Oh, yeah. I need God to answer this. Okay. God, do you hear me yet? You know, and then God will release. Next is decide partial or complete fast. A complete fast is only water. A partial fast is anything, anything else. So sometimes if I'm doing like a 21-day fast, I'll do like juice and fruit. And I won't eat meat, sweets, carbs, or anything else. I'll just juice, water, and fruit. Awesome, you know. Um, but you need, you need to decide if you can do a complete or partial. Uh, my mom, my adopted mom, is a, is a diabetic for over 20 years. She cannot do a complete fast. Uh, she hasn't had that miracle yet. You know, she's believed God. She's tried to do it. And her daughter's like, don't do that. <laughs> out of just love for God. So for her, she has to do like a, a tweaked partial fast for her. It's like, she's not gonna use Splenda, she's gonna use Stevia. You know, it's like, that's, but that's like, that's her fasting. And for you, if you're like pregnant, if you're, you have health issues, you know, it's, you know, don't do a complete fast if you, if you physically can't. But if you can, um, there's that, yeah. Decide the length of the fast. I, also, I often get this question, how long should I fast? Here's my advice. Fast until it means something to you. Fast until it means something to you. What is it? And a lot of times you'll know with the Lord, like what it seems good. You'll know with God. It's like, hmm. 
And how you always know if it's really you or the dictator is when you say it, you'll cringe a little bit. That means something to you then. You guys, you know what I'm saying? Come on, it's got to cost you something for it to mean something. You don't want to just go without food, just say you went without food. Next, uh, oh, which by the way, decide on the length of fast. You can do sun up to sundown. Uh, that's what a lot of Jews in the past have done. Uh, you can determine how many days. Uh, you're going to do, some people do one, three. The common days are one, three, seven, 21, 40. You do any of those days, do 13, whatever number you want to do, 13 and a half. It's up to you and the Lord. But just determine that length. Uh, and then prepare spiritually. Prepare spiritually. Confess sin. Talk about areas of your life where you're struggling. Stay in an attitude of humbling yourself with God. That's what I mean. Uh, expect mental discomforts. Do you, see, do you think Satan wants you to be in a place where you're going to release supernatural power into your life? Guess not. You will experience mental discomfort. This is where you need to exercise self-control. You need to prepare spiritually before you fast. Also, when, during your fast, you need to drink lots of water. Water's king during a fast. Drink lots and lots of water. Limit activity. You know, you probably, do, you know, I don't know, maybe go halvesies at CrossFit. Or don't go at all. Uh, set aside times to read, pray, meditate, worship. I found people most often break their fast because they, do, they don't do the very thing that the fast is meant to do, which is you're supposed to lean into God more. If you're just going to watch TV and fast, it's like, yeah, you're going to want a cookie. I want a cookie if I watch TV. Of course you're going to want a cookie. So really set aside times where you're going to, I'm going to pray from, from, you know, 12 to 1 at my job because that's my lunch break. I'm going to go sit in my car and watch a sermon, pray, listen, just go and sit and cry, like whatever. But set aside intentional times to pray with your family. Put, we put our boys to bed, and that's when my wife and I pray together and worship together. Because uh, if my boys are awake, it's like, we ain't getting nothing done, you know. So, but you got to be intentional with those things when you fast. Fasting requires mental intentionality. You can't just wing it. You got to be, because the natural flow of things will, is feed the dictator. Next, or, or the last one is this, when you break your fast. Worst thing I ever did is I, I did a 21-day fast, and then I broke it with like raising canes. Don't do that. Start with juice. Avoid fatty fried foods like raising canes and eat small meals at first. All right, guys, uh, I'm, wait, I'm a minute over, so let me finish real quick. If you fail, I have some really great news for you. I love what Pastor Bill Bright says. He says this, it takes time to build your spiritual fasting muscles. When I first tried fasting, dude, I could barely last a day. Now I can, do, I can do a lot more than a day. Because why? I've done it now for over 12 years. Well, 13 years. I've, it's been a practice of my life. I know how to fast. Uh, my wife's so funny. God, I won't, I won't brag. Anyway, uh, here's the other thing. You have to practice fasting for it to be effective in your walk with God. You have to practice it. There are a few people I know that just like, I'm going to do 21 days, and they do it. And it was like, yeah, it was awesome. It was breakthrough. Most people that I know, you have to practice it. Because otherwise, all you do is you, there's so many mental things and dynamics going on. It's, it's a lot. So practice fasting. Which brings us to our application. I want to challenge you in uh, before August to fast at least once. Some of your dictators right now in you were like, that don't feel good. Don't do that. I have a lot going on. I'm starving. I'm about to die. So here, maybe here's some ideas. Fast a meal. Like literally, you can fast one meal. It's like, hey, 
we're on vacation next week, so the week after that, that Tuesday at lunch, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to pray in my car instead. Maybe that looks like that. Maybe it looks like you just, you're going to pick one, one or two days this, this month in July, and you, I'm not, I'm going to do a partial fast, and I'm just going to drink juice those two days. Maybe you're going to say, hey, I'm going to fast once a week until August. Whatever it is, it could look many different ways. That's what I'm, try, I'm trying to give you. Maybe you're going to do 21 days. A lot of people, some churches will do that before August, the fix, fix, um, fix, <laughs> fiscal year, sorry. Before the fiscal year, they'll fast before August. So I really hope you guys found this uh, to be very helpful and enlightening. Hey, will you stand to your feet with me? I'm so sorry for holding you over a couple minutes. Let me, uh, let's, can we pray right quick? Is this all right? Yeah. Hey, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And, and just in this moment, uh, mm. Father, I just pray right now for those in the room. God, I, I pray, Father, that that Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts right now. We know it's your will for us to fast. It's very clear. God, we know and know and know that you expect us to. God, we know that it, it dethrones the dictator. God, we, we know that it leads to a spiritual renewal. So God, we know that you're inviting us to fast. And God, do and, and to do it, God, more than just this, these random big occasions, but God, to create a rhythm in our life where we wouldn't be intimidated by taking a day this week and say, hey, I'm gonna fast this week. God, I, I know that there are people in this room right now, Father, who, who really need you to move on their behalf. I know that there are people in this room, God, who are asking for guidance. I know that there are people in this room, God, that really wanna grow spiritually and grow closer to you. And so, Father, I'm praying for this, God, that as they make a decision about how they're gonna fast this month, I'm praying, Lord, that you would help them you would give them grace. God, I pray that you would do something supernatural in their lives when they choose to walk in this on-ramp, that, God, they would really walk in an abundant life that you promised, a fulfilled life in you. And it doesn't look like the way we think it looks like. It looks like refraining from food for a spiritual reason. God, it's, it's weird to us. It's different, but we trust you. And so, God, for those in the room that are looking and searching and are willing, I pray that you would meet them right where they're at. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.